0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE. Hi,
1: I'm Matt, the Financial Imagineer, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast.
0: I've been the recipient of a few windfalls, all of which have come at a price. The most notable was an insurance policy when my father died, the $200,000 invested by my mother in the early 1980s paid for my college and medical school educations. Needless to say, I could have done without that one. Yet even those who gain windfalls under much happier circumstances often find themselves penniless within a few years. What would you do if you picked the right lottery numbers? Or better yet, won six figures on a game show like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Many of us will never know this kind of opportunity, but today's guest does. Matthias Richter did his first side hustles before entering teenagehood and started saving. And by age 16, he had already dipped his toes into the stock market. His net worth crossed six figures at 21 and has been growing further ever since, ultimately reaching financial independence before 40. Matt, welcome to earn and invest. Let's talk about 2001. That year, you would unexpectedly stumble upon a windfall of cash. How were you occupying your days at that time?
1: Back in 2001, I was a student. I was uh, also very busy. I was working about four jobs <laughs> next to my studies. At nights, you would find me in a pizza store, baking up around 200 pizzas every night up until 1 a.m., In the weekends, I would be at a bank counter advising clients about what to do with their savings. At weekends, I was in a Swiss polling station counting votes and doing other stuff. And I was also a leader of a student organization at our college there, which was a joyful thing to do, a lot of parties. So I was very, very busy, but happily busy, happily so.
0: What were you studying at the time?
1: I was uh, studying in St. Gallen, which is the east eastern part of Switzerland, where the biggest economics and business administration university of Switzerland is located.
0: So why so many side hustles? Had you thought about financial independence at that time? Were you already building up a net worth goal?
1: Yes, I was. I, I started my Excel tracker at age 16. That was back in 1995. <laughs> it's no joke. I still have it. And... Uh, I, I kind of uh, got into the mood of putting at least three to $500 to funds. That back then, we, we didn't have ETFs uh, available to us. So it was like mutual funds with a high equity portion in it, which was, that was what I did. And uh, also, at that age, I was no longer living with my parents. So I had to pay rent. I also afforded myself to a car. So it was significant expenses for my age. And life was simply better. And I also enjoyed working. Actually, I I really enjoyed working at the pizza store. I made a lot of great friendships there. And I enjoyed to to be there and do the stuff. And to to be at the counter of the bank, I really enjoyed helping other people with their money, which is later what, what I did professionally. And this was kind of just naturally to me. I didn't feel like stressed or obliged or
0: pushed to do it. I I
1: just wanted to do it.
0: Let me rewind you a second there. Did you just say that you no longer lived with your parents at the age of 16? Uh, No, no, no.
1: At 16, I did still live with my parents, Mm -hmm. but I moved out at 19. And
0: by that time, you started supporting yourself? Yes, yes. Did you have any role models for this financial behavior? I mean, most people aren't Excel spreadsheets at the age of 16. How did you develop the interest? Um, I think I have to
1: give a big shout out to my dad. He was a Swiss banker. He taught us many, many lessons about how to deal with money and so on. And I I could learn a lot from him. And it's not just that he told us what to do. He lived it. He was it in the flesh and blood. I could watch him doing it, living it, and uh, learn from him.
0: And so that was kind of innate in his professional job was to learn how to manage money. And he passed that on to you. Kind of, yeah. So it's 2001. You are a student. You've got all these side hustles going. You've got your Excel spreadsheets on high power. And then somehow you ended up a contestant on the Swiss version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. How did that happen exactly? (laughs)
1: That's a very, very funny story, actually. So one evening, I, I really enjoyed the... I have never watched the US version, but I was watching the German version. Germany is much bigger than Switzerland. And I really enjoyed it because there were a lot of smart people there, a lot of good questions. And then the Swiss... TV channel, they started to copy that uh, concept and they couldn't really get very good candidates on it. So that might sound a little bit stupid now, but I actually got very annoyed because almost nobody made it past like five or six questions. And I wrote a letter to them, an old fashioned letter, not an email. It was a letter. You could call it like a complaint letter or whatever and say, "I I actually like the concept of this show, but I think you have the wrong guests, the wrong candidates. And I know I could have applied. That was not my intention or my plan. It was not. I could have applied calling like a $2 per minute kind of phone line and try my luck. And sure enough, they would call me back about my complaint letter and say, sir, do you think you would be a better candidate? We are looking for candidates. Would you like to join? And then, of course, I felt like, of course, I want to join. (laughs) Why not? That's how it came about to be.
0: And it wasn't just you, but, but your girlfriend at the time did it too. Is that right?
1: Yes, exactly. So that was actually a, a special version of the show. It was called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for Couples? And the two of us were at the end on
0: the hot chair. Did you, were, were you competing together or did you do it separately?
1: We were competing as a team
0: together. Got it. Got it. So tell me about what that experience was like. Was it stressful?
1: It was super exciting. The moment they actually caught me up on my complaint letter, it got very stressful because I felt, oh, I opened my mouth too far. What did (laughs) I say? I have to prove something now. And the the first thing I did, I I invested roughly 300 bucks. I bought an encyclopedia. I bought a book, everything you need to know. I bought the old Microsoft Encyclopedia, there was like seven CD-ROMs back then and, and all that stuff. And I also bought the computer game for Mike. There was a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire computer game with all kinds of questions. And I had about three weeks to prepare. And at that time, I drove back a little bit my side hustling. And I was constantly on the screen. My, my dad actually said, you are crazy. Why, why you spend so much time on this now? But I I kind of tried to figure out how to how to play it. And yes, sure enough, I failed many times, but I learned some strategies. So I got ready for the show. That, that's what I think is different from being a contestant of a show like that compared to like playing the lottery, where it's pure luck. So you can you can actually test yourself, you can test your emotions, you can see at what point what do you really need to be sure about to say, I don't want to quit yet because if you quit, you may fall down and at what, you know, you you can just play out different scenarios over and over again. And then whenever you had enough with the gaming, I I was reading stuff. I was, I I knew that looking at watching these shows very often, I knew I had some shortcomings in culture. I I was not so good with pop stars and all these things. I, I had a little different interest and, the next thing was also i had to find like my telephone jokers. that was also very interesting so i had to i had to list down what are my weaknesses where do i need help and who of my friends or family would be best suited to jump in there so sure enough i had a, a very good friend from the pizza store who studied biology who got in for all kind of biology chemistry and so on my godfather was extremely he's extre- he has nobody has more books than him and <laughs> I took him for history and like mythology and all kinds of things like that. And then I also had my dad uh, as the third choice. So I had these three people lined up. And uh, when the day came, I was super excited. But I still didn't know if I will make it to the hot chair because we were 10 people. And I think only two or three could make it to the hot chair of that batch. You have to answer the 10 first questions the, the the first questions as, as fast as you can, and only then you can get to the hot chair. So there are 10 people lined up, and then uh, I was very lucky there. It was actually a pop star question, and I managed to answer in 2 point something seconds.
0: So tell me about your strategy once you are on the hot chair, because for people who don't know who wants to be a millionaire, you get a successive series of questions, and then there are times when you can leave with the money or keep going for even higher amounts. How did you know when it was time to quit?
1: Well, the obvious thing was, if if you don't know something and you are out of jokers, you you should see, are you on a safe hold or can you play? Can you gamble or should you not? And yeah, at the end, I simply didn't know it anymore. And. The, the thing was also, I I tried some creative brainstorming things, thinking about the question was about who was the, the leader of the Berlin Philharmonica Orchestra back in 2001. There were four names I have never seen. And so the names didn't click. I, I'm i not good about this music. And my telephone joker, who would have known it, I used him already. <laughs> so I was out of out of ammo and I called it a day. And so how much did you win in the end? In the end, it was 125,000 Swiss francs, which is
0: nowadays roughly 135 to 140,000 US dollars. And you were 21 years old. So this was quite a lot of money for anyone, but especially for a 21-year-old who was a student, right? So you weren't even really at a full-time job yet.
1: Exactly. So, well, I I, I invested since age 16. I, I started to Back then, I invested in Nasdaq. So I, I had a, a run-up and a run-down in 2000-2001, <laughs> which was quite painful, which was actually the right time to have that kind of experience because I, I multifolded the money there as well before I won the game show. But then when that money came, it was like a second chance for me to, to actually cover up my, my losses on my network tracker. <laughs> so it was, it was very interesting because... It, it freed up my time. It freed up my options in life. I was at the beginning of my life, right? I had I had about one and a half years longer to study. And the most interesting part was actually when I went back to work at the pizza store after I've won. So I showed up again and the boss said, oh, I wouldn't expect you to be coming back here. What are you doing here? I said, what do you think I'm doing here? I'm coming back to work. And I worked there until 2004. So I worked there another three years. And that didn't work less. I, I kept going. <laughs> that was a very special thing to see. I, I got appreciated very differently. And I think people, you know, it's 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 very interesting what, what can happen there. And on the other side, you have more options, right? So that's the, the big windfall. I, I put the NASDAQ story before into this because I believe if I wouldn't have had that much money before in one go I, I made quite a, a sum almost six figures before I earned that with stock market gambles I call it gambles because back then you would buy anything that gets more website clicks or eyeballs and everything will five six seven fold you know it was the the golden days of the internet boom it hurt a lot when when all that thing crashed together and All I had left at the end was like 10,000 plus, but it was much more before. And then this thing came. I thought, now I have a second chance. Let's do it right.
0: So it's a much more sober version of Matt. I'm not talking about alcohol when I'm talking about sober, but a much more thoughtful version of Matt when you won this windfall of six figures, very close to almost what you had lost in the stock market in the NASDAQ during the tech bubble. You mentioned in your blog post, writing about this, that it taught you something about stealth wealth, or at least that was one of those times you really experienced stealth wealth. Tell us what stealth wealth is, first of all, and how did you experience that right after winning the money on the TV show?
1: Well, there's the the one thing. Of course, once you win this kind of money, some friends who know about it, they will come to you and say, let's say you go to a disco, you go out clubbing then of course, one round must be on me, right? (laughs) That's where it starts. And then it's like, oh, don't you have extra money? You know, we could buy this, we could do that. We could. That was unfortunately how the relationship with my girlfriend there came to an end later. It was, I think she was more in the excited to buy, to think about buying a new sofa, or she wanted to buy a new car. She was thinking of Going to the Maldives for for celebration, right? Which probably could have been a good thing to do, but I was I was very maybe strict and disciplined to myself because I felt I have a head start, and I I kind of put these things down, and we didn't do it. We we, we splurged around five hundred bucks. That that was it. That cost me the relationship with her in the end. I believe today still, this this was probably the the beginning of fights, which. Eventually, now I'm I'm very happily married and we, we are talking about money together as a couple. It made my choice later also stronger about how to talk, how to communicate goals and so on, because going after financial independence shouldn't be a, a one-man show. If, if you do it in teamwork, it's easier, it's faster and so on. But stealth wealth, so back to the question you asked me about stealth wealth. Stealth wealth, what is it? It is you don't... If you look at rich and wealthy, what's the difference? Wealthy is you don't really know who is wealthy or not. The Some of the very wealthy people around us, maybe you don't know they are wealthy. They don't show it. But if somebody is rich, you see rich, you see a Lamborghini, a nice car, a big house, This is rich for me and rich for me does not mean wealthy. Stealth wealth is when you have the means, you have the ability, but you still drive your Toyota or you still live in a smaller than you could afford house or you live on like below your means or what whatever you could afford or do or or live at. And therefore you kind of preserve some of this energy or money or whatever you call it. It could for me it's also time because everything is more or less the same thing. And maybe shift that to a later stage where you can like a battery, you fill up your battery earlier. So for me, stealth wealth was not to show off, not to splurge, not to use it up, but put it aside for later.
0: And I mentioned in my introduction, what often happens when many people get windfalls is they end up penniless just a few years later. You mm. said you were really careful. It might have cost you your relationship, but you also did say you did splurge on about $500. What did you buy? <laughs> <laughs> I bought all
1: my jokers dinner. <laughs> so we had, the that was like a a restaurant where we used to go with my family when I was a kid. And My grandma was still around. There was all these golden memories about childhood. And when we won that money, I invited everyone to go back to that restaurant. And I also invited a few guys of my closest friends to a night out clubbing and doing stuff in town, which was great fun. And everything was on me. Was just saying thanks to everyone and celebrating. Okay so for me for me actually the splurge was more in showing appreciation and maybe this, the the only thing i bought materially was a new computer
0: looking back at what you know today was that the right choice i mean do you ever look back and say oh i probably could have spent a little more maybe i could have taken a really nice vacation or maybe i could have you know bought that thing that i really wanted do you ever go back and think maybe you were a little bit too careful
1: i I believe the only thing I I sometimes question is, was it really the thing that killed the relationship? Was was this my mistake? Was this something I could have done better or differently? That's one question. I'm, I'm very hard on myself on that. The other thing, though, is also I believe if I wouldn't have been like that, I wouldn't be where I am now. So very clearly, I believe I did the right thing because... I went on vacations later on. I just finished my studies first. I kept saving. I kept investing. By the time I got my master's degree in 2003, I had a nice bank account. I knew how it's going to continue to work for me. And I, where, where I saw all my friends actually signing up for jobs, I took my time. I filled up my backpack. I went to Panama and Costa Rica to travel around. I learned Spanish. In these three months, I probably spent about three thousand dollars all in with flight tickets. I, I lived very cheaply, like seven dollars per night in a hostel. I was having a arroz con pollo; it's like the mm. cheapest rice. The cervezas, the beers, for one dollar there, things like that. And I actually came back to Switzerland, and I had more money in the bank than before. And that was like a very big aha moment. And I, I knew some people who started their lives. They, they started to get their bigger apartments. They bought cars. They did everything that I already have done before. And I, I saw, oh, well, I don't need a car now. I don't need that. And for me, it was then more interesting to invest in myself. So I, I learned Spanish in Costa Rica and Panama. And at school, I was usually told, you have no talent for languages. <laughs> I believed that until I was there and was proven wrong. By myself. Right. And then somehow I told myself, I'm going to learn Chinese now. I'm going to learn Mandarin Chinese. So, and because I had this money in the bank, again, that was like freedom points. I had no obligation. I didn't owe, I didn't have student loan debts in Switzerland university colleges for free. It costs really nothing compared to the U S. So that was really good. So I, I was really free of any debt. And I went to Taiwan where i started to work at a job that didn't really pay a lot of money but it allowed me to learn chinese and get to know the chinese culture in taipei i surrounded myself with great friends that we are still in very good contact today and my wife is from there i got to know my wife and this whole thing this this whole thing was like giving me wings to to fly better th- through life eventually that's my belief in the end
0: Was there a measure of fame from being on the TV show? Like when you were in Switzerland, did people recognize you?
1: It was short-lived. There was like for probably for two, three months, people in the city who saw the episode, they would still recognize me. I think there were two people coming to the bank counter where I also still went back to work who recognized me. But after a while, back then there was no internet streaming, or you couldn't look at, you couldn't watch these episodes online. So there was nothing like that. So after a while, it just uh, disappeared. Yeah. That was that was that was stealth wealth, and then also not talking about it is probably the other thing.
0: You didn't make a big deal of yourself, in other words.
1: I think so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We are talking to Matthias Richter. His net worth crossed six figures at the age of 21 and has been growing further ever since. He became financially independent before the age of 40, and he writes a blog at The Financial Imagineer. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. usa.com That's LandRoverUSA.com. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to give you an update on my book, Taking Stock, A Hospice Doctor's Advice on Financial Independence, Building Wealth, and Living a Regret-Free Life. It will be coming out on August 2nd, and I am starting to do work on the pre-sales. Notably, I just signed a deal with Audible, so we will be doing an audio version of the book, and at this point, at least, I think I will be narrating it, so... If you haven't got enough of hearing my voice here, you certainly can buy the audio version of my book on Audible. Things are happening quickly. It is just a few more months before the book drops. I'm excited about getting out this manuscript to you so you can learn some of the ideas that I put forth about what being a hospice doctor has taught me about money and life, if you want to go the extra step, if you want to be an earn and invest supporter and support me, Jordan Grummett, a.k.a. Doc G, you can also join our ground team. That is right. I have put together a group of about 100 people who are part of our ground team. They are getting exclusive content about the book. They saw my book trailer already. I sent them a copy of my forward from Vicki Robbins. So they're getting some of the insider information In exchange, the ground team is going to help me launch the book, especially as we get closer to August 2nd. So nothing is required of you if you sign up, but if you do, I'll expect that maybe you'll help me out with some tweets or some Facebook posts or pretty much anything that'll help me launch the book that week of August 2nd. There are really minimum requirements, but you do get a lot extra I hope that you'll consider becoming part of our ground team. The easiest way is to just go to earnandinvest.com. Again, that's earnandinvest.com right at the top. There'll be a picture, an image for you to click on to become part of our ground team. It really costs you nothing, uh, but could be a lot of fun and certainly will help me out get my book, Taking Stock, out into the world. I can't wait for you all to read it. Let's get back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Matt Richter, whose net worth crossed six figures at the age of 21 after being on the TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Switzerland. He wrote a blog post called The Six Life-Winning Lessons from a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Contestant. Matt, I wanted to talk about these lessons because I thought there were some enduring messages here for people whether you get a windfall or not, because not everyone is going to be a contestant of a show like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But sometimes we do get unexpected money and oftentimes we waste it. So you've put forth some ideas that can help us not do that. Lesson one, keep calm and carry on. What exactly does that mean?
1: Okay, so probably what I mentioned before, I went back to my pizza job. I went back to work in the bank. I finished my studies. I didn't really disrupt too much of my life. If you look at lottery winners or or people who get a huge windfall, there is sometimes the, the tendency that these people change their lives dramatically. They start to spend more money. They start to inflate their lifestyle, spend more money on useless stuff, unfortunately, right? And Eventually, this will eat up whatever they had. And eventually, like you say, they end up penniless. Keep, just carry on. That that, that part is very strong because just because you have a windfall doesn't mean you have to dramatically change anything in your life. It, It just gives you more options. So whenever you come to a crossroads to decide what to do, when to do it, and maybe what options do you have, if you have the money in the bank, the great thing is you will have many more options if, if you can deploy that, right? So it's, it becomes like your secret super weapon of a, of a kind. And you, you have more options than people who don't have that money sitting in the bank.
0: I've heard it often said about people who collect life insurance policies, but I think it's very similar here. The financial advice is don't do anything for the first six months. I say, just hold on to it. And it sounds like you're very much of that philosophy. Like you have to let the emotion pass you so that you can do some deeper thinking. I think that's a big mistake people make.
1: Yeah, it's something, the same thing, like good investors are people who don't lose their emotions over downturns or who don't take emotional decisions sometimes, even though this is the hardest thing not to do right. If if you have a market crash and th- th- sometimes uh, I have seen this as I've I've been assisting hundreds of multimillionaires in my in my career with their portfolios and whenever uncertainty hits the the fan you, you see people running for the hills and then they will never come back or they will wait until everything is good again. But if you look at very long term charts, if if you are out of the market, you will miss out the best days. The best days are usually very closely after the worst days. And by the time everything is good again, you you miss out the rally. And probably it will end up that you sell low and buy high. Even though you sell after the crash happened, (laughs) you buy after the crash happened. And this is this is probably now about investing or or like stock investing but I believe in personal finance is a similar thing if if you hold your emotions back you you can make more out of it out of your options it's it's simply that and you have more time to digest because more money doesn't really make you a happier person directly it's it's what you do with that that makes you a happier person eventually
0: Is it safe to say that getting a windfall or getting this huge amount of money quickly can be almost as stressful as either losing a lot of money or not having it in the first place?
1: I've seen people like that. Yes. I've seen that before firsthand. It it can be extremely stressful as well because sometimes with big, big windfalls, also a big responsibility comes and people expect stuff. And especially if it's public, that's going back to stealth wealth. If, if everybody knows, oh, that person now has, I don't know how much money, more than before, everyone will expect a piece of the cake, right? So you have to, you yourself will be wondering what to do. And probably if everybody knows, oh, you got a windfall, you will suddenly have many people coming to see you, not just to be your friends or fake friends, but you will also have new people trying to manage your money. You will have people coming, trying to sell you insurance. You will have all kinds of folks showing up at your door, trying to sell you stuff and also saying, oh, don't you think a person like you would deserve this nice new car or a person like you should live in a bigger house? it's like who you think you need to be in life or who do you compare yourself with? It's like the keeping up with the Joneses. Once you have the cash in the bank account, it seems just so much easier to to try to catch up and play that rat race game, actually going back to the rat race. Because very quickly, you can buy a big house. Nobody will stop you. Very quickly, you can buy that Lamborghini or whatever it is if you have the money in the bank. But when you do that, boom, 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 your money will decimate itself very quickly and are you really better off after that are you really buying these things because they make you happier i think this is like a drug boost you you get you get a little upside and then later you might very often regret your decision and uh yeah so that that's probably how i will put it
0: did you find that in your own experience that after it became public that you won this money, you started questioning relationships? We talked about about your girlfriend at the time who, who won money with you, but did you find that friendships that all of a sudden people were contacting you, looking for something, and you became suspicious?
1: I was lucky enough to say no. I, I don't think it I had this kind of experience firsthand, maybe maybe some people around university, but I think that was very short lived because i I try not to change too much the, the way I was. i I kept driving uh, an old car. I kept going to work in the pizza shop. I, I I carried on. I kept calm and carried on, so they they could see i I haven't changed, right? So they wouldn't come that that's stealth wealth again. If you don't show, nobody
0: will come. We're talking about the six life winning lessons from a who wants to be a millionaire contestant lesson to celebrate your windfall. We talked about splurges before. So this almost feels a touch contradictory, right? Because you're supposed to celebrate. How do you know how much is okay to splurge? Like how much can you spend?
1: Well, I I would just put the question back and say, instead of how much to spend is like with whom you would like to celebrate and what to do with these people. I think celebration is about human relationships is about inviting someone to something. And then, you know, our, for instance, the wedding with my wife, we also celebrated one part of the wedding, of course in Taiwan, but the other one was in my parents' home in the garden and everything was kind of prepared by ourselves. and celebrations for me. I always think it's, there are these sayings. Oh, a wedding has to cost 20 or 30,000 at least. Otherwise it's not a real wedding. I always find that very, I don't want to say dumb, but I just did it. <laughs> it's, it's very contradictory. You should just see, you, you get together with people that you enjoy celebrating something and then it should have a meaningful location. So I, I mentioned before we went to a restaurant where we went with my grandma before it must have meaning for me. And the, uh, invite people that mean something and then tell them why they are here, why we are celebrating.
0: Lesson three, Imagineer your life. Now this gets to the name of your blog, Financial Imagineer. What does that mean exactly? And describe how you did this in your life.
1: Okay. So Imagineer, that that term, it's I found it with Disney. I also found that it already existed before Disney. Imagineer—it's a crisscross between imagine and engineer. Working in wealth management, structuring some products Sometimes I thought of myself sometimes as a financial engineer because I—I I was looking at portfolios. Clients came to me say, "Oh, I want to have a retirement portfolio. I want to have a growth portfolio. I want to have this or that." So financial engineering should be used to help people achieve their goals, right? And the imagineering part is more about living your dream life, making your dream life become a reality using money as a tool. So therefore the name Financial Imagineer, my blog should be helping people, inspiring people to first believe and know that you you too can imagine your dream life if you just know how. Number two, It's just a question of math very often. There was this big blog post of Mr. Money Mustache, the simple math of early retirement, right? So like, it's not hard. It's not difficult. If you know how, there is a way. So structure your life in a way that your dreams will happen. And I believe I was trying very hard to walk my talk and to go after my goals. So like I mentioned before with learning Chinese After that, with my wife, we started to do five-year planning. The the first five-year plan we did in 2006, we sat together with a bottle of wine one evening, and both of us had 10 Post-its that we could use. And we had a big piece of white paper that we put on the wall. We had one line for priority and another line for time, the timeline. And then we said, okay, each of us has 10 Post-its where we can write some dream or some goal of our own. And then we would sit together and say, uh, which one has to come first, which one is second, which one third, and how are we going to do it? So with my wife, we did that now four times <laughs> since 2006. And it worked extremely well, I have to say. Just the last batch now, the last five years, a lot of our travel plans got wiped out, unfortunately, because of COVID. but. Other than that, I think every every batch we we kind of achieved everything all the time. And the imagineer part there is we we exchange our dreams as a as a couple. And we we say this is like a, a dream team should work together like that. And then we know each other's dreams, we know each other's priorities, and then we agree as a couple what has to come first before we go for the next one. And then you're not just working in a relationship on your goal while the other one is working on her goal. But you actually work together on, on getting goal one, goal two, goal three done before you move on. And as a result of that, my wife, she learned German. We started a company. We started a school. We started, we bought houses, real estate. We, we became parents. That was also part of the planning, of course, family planning. We saved more money. That's also something if you go out or if the discussion is how much is the budget for vacation or so on, if you say we have a goal to reach X, Y, C by end of there, you, you have to look how you get there, right? So it's it's like you you put goals up and then you you stick to it. And at the end in 2017, I was there. We were there. We we kind of reached a goal where I said, okay, my, my investment portfolio is producing sufficient dividends or like income returns that we could let go of my job because that would replace what I made in my daytime job. And then that, that's where we both said, we, we went for one last trip there. We went to Hong Kong and Japan, just my wife and me. The kids were not with us during that time, but we enjoyed our like 10 days time. There was the 10-year anniversary trip as well, the, the golden honeymoon. And we, at the end of this trip, we decided, I'm going to quit my job. And the Monday, the first Monday, I was back from my trip. I handed my, in my resignation.
0: So we're talking about a dichotomy, right? As the name says, Imagineer. There's the engineering side, which I think is much more the Excel spreadsheeting and the budgeting and those kind of things. And then there's the imagination side, which is a lot more about our dreams How much does the imagination side depend on money? Like, even if you don't have money today, can you start working on that part of the equation?
1: Yes, definitely. I believe with bigger dreams comes bigger motivation. And I have, well, I've been a lucky person in my life, I have to say. And I've been an optimist as well. I've never been too pessimistic about life. I believe if you are pessimistic, that could be somehow a problem, but if if you believe or if you strive for something bigger there's this saying always shoot for the moon even if you miss you will land amongst the stars i strongly believe in that if if you go big if you really want to do something it doesn't matter how or how far as long as you take big steps you will be you will get you will be getting somewhere right <laughs> if if the dream is nicer and bigger and more attractive like for me it was this freedom financial freedom or having more time with the family when the kids are still young things like that they were really like a magnet for me to stick to the the goal and the engineering part of course like you say they're big things usually the big three housing transportation food if if you again go for the big stuff and optimize quickly like um we we bought a big apartment but we also rented out extra rooms so we we kind of not every wife would be okay doing that but basically our tenants who who rented rooms they paid for more than just the mortgage interest so the house was basically financing it itself over time which was brilliant because you you kind of uh, get two things done in one go and I believe it's always a question of creativity and accepting to probably living different than other people that's there because, a lot of people go through life with left and right. You know, you don't look here. You don't look there. You, this is how life should be. You you do your nine to five till 65, and then you have 10 years of retirement or whatever, right? I believe if you have bigger ideas, you need to get more creative. So if, if you say, yes, I want to do life like this, you you have to go out of the norm. And there, the problem is, the difficulty is you have to live live life different than other people around you. And there you could get some some headwinds.
0: So lesson four, we're going to pass over, invest your money. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But lesson five of the six life-winning lessons from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Contestant is do a real-world MBA. You're a pretty educated guy. As you were saying, when you were 21 and you were a contestant, you were in the midst of de- getting a degree Talk to us uh, about the importance of formal education versus experience.
1: I I believe there. I have seen a lot of my friends also trying to get an MBA after they've worked for more than 10 years in a company. I have seen how much these MBAs cost, and sometimes the MBA itself, I'm just talking about the MBA now, but... I believe a lot of people go there more for the networking and maybe listening to some stories and absolutely nothing about book smart people, right? But you go basically to a university and listen to some stories from professors who themselves still have a job and work for the university in, in a way, right? Of course, they have good stories. They are very good at what they do. I don't want to say that's very, very bad, but the real world MBA for me, it was I believe to have my pockets full at 21, I was very lucky in a way that I could venture out. I, I could defy my own beliefs that I'm not good in languages. I'm speaking English now with, me, with you, right? I'm, I'm not English mother tongue. In high school, I was told I have no talent for English. It was something like a lot of other stuff became possible. So that's what I also covered with options, having options in life. So at the end of uh, my banking career, I had options to try something, right? For instance, the blog I write, Financial Imagineer, it's something, why would you do that if not, you know, people will usually say, why you do this blogging? It takes so much of your time. How much money you make with that? I'm not making a bunch of money with my blog yet, maybe. I don't know, will this change going forward? But this is is sometimes, I just do it because I'm very, very interested and I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I also enjoy to connect with people. uh, And that's basically the essence behind that.
0: And last but not least let's talk about lesson 6 after getting a windfall in your case becoming a contestant and winning on who wants to be a millionaire lesson 6 you say is give back tell me what having this windfall taught you about giving in general hmm so basically
1: when we arrived in when I arrived in Taiwan for my job there I went there with Isaac which is a student organization that It's the biggest, the largest student organization in the world, super international, more than 120 countries. And there, one thing is usually you help the younger ones to to learn, right? And I like to be a mentor of people. Back there, I also went sometimes on the weekends, me with my lousy English, I was an English teacher in Taiwan. And I spent Sundays teaching little kids English in the countryside of Taiwan, which was super fun. Because these people were so happy and I I didn't get paid money for that, but it also helped a lot. The other thing I believe with my blog, I hope, my, my aim is to inspire people. I'm not really writing. My blog posts are not about budget spreadsheets and stuff like that. It's not technical at all. I try to write stories or more on an insp- inspiration level to to let people question their why and go for a bigger better life right and hopefully this is something i can give back to to help people to to imagine their own dream lives also to, to spend people uh, to spend my time with uh, my family i also think this is uh, giving i i can now spend much more time with my parents or with my own kids who are when they are
0: growing up so, to summarize the six life winning lessons from being a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, lesson one, keep calm and carry on. Lesson two, celebrate your windfall. Lesson three, imagine your life. Lesson four, invest your money. Lesson five, do a real world MBA. And lesson six, give back. Tell me, Matt, how do you think being a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and having this windfall changed your life trajectory? Huh. <laughs> I
1: think this was like a, a breakthrough um, moment for me to probably believe bigger, better things are possible. First and foremost, I I also believe. Still looking back there, I kind of invested time before going there, so being well prepared it it taught me that later on, if I really want to do something, I have to get well-prepared. I have to have a plan, a game plan. I have to spend and invest some time to get stuff done. That was later also how I, I advanced in my career, so to say. Later also, the financial independence thing was something with my Excel spreadsheet, which in 1995, it was not meant to be for financial independence, but it grew into this because later on, I added extra worksheets. And the last worksheet there was the salary replacement worksheet to see what dividends and what income can actually replace my salary. And when would I get there? How much I would have to invest every year on extra. And I think believing even that this is possible, this was the big difference in my life. I wouldn't know how and when that would have happened without that event. May have needed a different thing. But I believe after after having gone through that experience, I was much more daring in life. I didn't shy back from sometimes taking bigger risks or risks that probably other people would think are bigger, because also the, the money in the bank helps you to probably make certain risks smaller for yourself, right? So I believe it it was a, a very great moment. And yeah, I cannot recommend everyone to get a windfall here, but this is not something you can replicate, right? I, I believe that that one of the first things, if you get a windfall, don't just change your life, just hold back, lean back. Don't share it with too many people who are not supposed to know that, you know, it's not something you have to tell everyone and then get influenced how to change your life and so on. It it can really help you to, to advance your life if and when you get a windfall.
0: Any negative impacts of this windfall? Anything that wasn't as pleasant?
1: Well, I I thought the relationship I mentioned with my girlfriend from back there, there were some things that probably happened because of that. And uh, other than that, I believe there was not too many negative things.
0: I know you kind of answered this already, but I think it's worth questioning again do you think your average person should prepare for a windfall? I mean, obviously not everyone's going to be a contestant of a show like this, but but there are some windfalls in life. Is this something we should kind of prepare ourselves for?
1: I think if you do prepare, you are prepared for anything that comes extra. And I, I start, you know, if you say not everyone gets a big windfall, it could be small windfalls. Like it starts with your bonus or with extra payments. It's It could be with unexpected tax returns, that you get some extra money here and there, have a plan for that. And don't just, or the you have the, the, the checks from the government in the past few years, right? Extra money that comes your way. It's small, right? But it's also extra. So it should be something that you can do more with it. And if you don't have a plan for this, just don't do anything until you have one. If you have the windfall, right? This again, hold back. Because if you just... Go with the flow and and listen left and right. It might be over before you start to enjoy it, and then it will really become a negative uh, thing. Especially if you win the lottery, I, I have read all these studies about mil- lottery millionaires that ended up bankrupt, uh, even suicides, right and re- depressed. All these things because you people very quickly get used to a, a higher standard of living, and it's so hard to to cut back again after that. So the main point probably is try to try to use windfalls however small they are to up your life in a sustainable manner right to to build something that is here to last that helps you for
0: living a happier life more fulfilled life i'm going to reiterate what you just said because i think that really is the big takeaway from our conversation Yes, not everyone is going to have a windfall like the lottery or like being a contestant in a game show and winning lots of money, but we all will have some small windfalls in our life, whether that be an unexpected bonus or a gift or an inheritance. We don't know what it will be, but we know that we'll probably experience some of these and being prepared means that we can make the most of it, whatever it is. Matt, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today and end this episode the way and every episode by asking you, what is up next in your life? And if people want to interact with you more, how can they find you? Let's start with the first part of that. What is up next in your life?
1: What is up next in my life? I think now it's been five years since I left corporate life. So the next big thing now, as we enter spring in the Northern Hemisphere, will be I will be sitting again together with my wife to do the next five-year plan. I'm super excited about that because the big question is, I, I just wrote a blog post about how much land does a man need? Very philosophical. <laughs> I really enjoy these topics. So like, where where does our life go next? This is super exciting because I, I'm also somebody who likes to challenge myself sometimes to how to fill this time that that is now available, what to do with it, be it spend more time on the blog. For sure I will be writing much more on my blog. I've discovered a writing tool, an artificial intelligence writing tool that allowed me to shorten the time to write blog posts dramatically. And they don't come out too weird. <laughs> it's not just I, I'm very happy to to kind of think or say I'm almost there to to manage this tool the right way so I will be writing more I hope I can be on more podcasts like this podcast we have started a a money course it's called fast track money it's on my website you can look it up for people who want to improve their finances it's a, a really really like a beginners course where six modules three of them cover psychology like habits motivation your big why, and how to get about that. And I think this this will be the, the next thing. I will be focused more, traveling more, being here for my kids more, spending time with family. I think that's next. And what is your website address
0: if people want to find you there?
1: You can find me under www.financial-imagineer.com. You can also find me on Twitter, there my handle I should I should have changed that in the beginning it's at fi underscore imagineer twitter didn't allow me to write out financial imagineer so it's fi underscore imagineer or on facebook at financial imagineer you can also find me and uh, on my blog you can subscribe by email if you would like to then you should be in touch with me whenever something new comes out
0: This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Matthias Richter. That's a wrap. Awesome. Was there anything we didn't talk about that you thought was important about this subject? Well, I think I talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's good. That's the whole purpose. Is I want you to talk a lot. As we were getting to the end, I'm like, that's the title. It's going to be how to prepare for windfalls in your life, because I think that's the um, I think that's yes, the real takeaway, so. and I think that's the real value of that blog post. Um, because yeah, not everyone is going to have these big, huge amounts of money given to them, but we all do have these little wins, like. Yeah. And we don't think about it, but it's common. Every year you get little wins, you save on something you think you weren't going to, or you do get that little extra bonus, or you get the something for free, or you sell something in your house and have a little extra cash. And how we manage those small amounts probably is not all that different than how you manage that big one, at least if you want to be successful.
1: Yes, absolutely. Small things add up and compound
0: yeah. And it certainly sounds like it made a big difference in your life, right? I mean this was this was a major thing that happened to you when you're twenty one. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes.
1: I, I really like when when you ask how did your life change, I wouldn't know if because I changed my city, you know, I, I was I'm now back in Basel, which is mm-hmm. at the French and German border. Mm-hmm. And here we also have a university. I have all my friends here, family and so on, but Because of that windfall, I went to a better university. At least it's considered to be better. (laughs) And the better name of the university allowed me to get into private banking for UBS, the Swiss, the biggest Swiss bank. And they uh, allowed me to go to Asia later because of my Chinese skills. So it's like boom, boom, boom. And usually when you look back in life, well, in 2004, I had a chance to work for Google I had an offer from Google yeah, and Google yeah. Google was very small. They only had Mr. Schmidt. Mr. Schmidt is a German guy. He was the only German speaker in California. And they wanted to have someone to work with him on stuff. And I remember, you know, I had to choose, should I go to Google or should I go to Taiwan? And then my dad and I, we sit together at the, at the desk and say, ah, you know, Google is just this blank page where you can <laughs> search for stuff. We completely underestimated it. And somehow this is this is like in life you come to crossroads and yeah, totally you go left or you go right. And the older you get, the more of these crossroads you have. And I believe if I wouldn't have had this who want to be a millionaire, I may have had a much more, I don't want to say it like low profile normal life, but I would have not ventured out, maybe not dared so much in life, and probably I would have gone just to the first best job because I would have been happy to get one, right?
0: So it's it's really deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: so a- at one point, I said it gave me wings.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is really, really cool. I mean... It's really awesome that it did. And uh, it's so nice to hear a story of something positive because we hear all those negative stories, right? You hear all those stories oh. of people who win money in some way or not, and they waste it all and they end up unhappy or depressed or or God forbid dead. So it's nice to hear these, yeah, uh, the, the other side of it. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I really have to thank my dad. My, my dad, he he also had his life in private banking and I guess when you help these very wealthy people, you see good examples and bad examples. In, in my career, the the very interesting part was to see how the successful parents try to teach the, their offspring. And yeah. in Chinese, they say uh, wealth doesn't last three generations. The first one builds yeah. it, the second maintains, the third destroys. And there I have from hundred forty multi-millionaire families. I have seen like three of them who I believe they do it right, and <laughs> the rest, the rest you have. And this is also if if you look at the other side of the coin. I have I I have this ability. I try to think from the other people's perspective. So if you are the son of this guy that built up the empire, and. The whole family looks at you and say, you have to be at least as good as your dad, if not yeah, better. That's stressful. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, very and, stressful. And they give up. They, of course they give up. Right. And and there to manage that. There was one, one of my clients. He, he did it so nicely. He, that the, the son always wanted to work for the family business, but mm-hmm. the father did not invite him, but told him, look, um, I understand you want to come to this business, but you why don't you go out first? You go to see the world, you do your own. And if later in about a few years, you want to come back, you let me know. He, he did it. He went out, he came back. And then the father said, okay, you have the experience that is necessary, but I'm not going to be the one that hires you. You have to go for a job interview. process.
0: Yeah, And you
1: cannot let anyone know who you are. Huh? Wow. You have to stay quiet about that. The son did that and he worked like two years without telling anyone who Who he was. was, And he earned his first promotion. And then at the Chinese New Year celebration of the company, the father took the son on stage and told everyone, by the way, this is my son. And I'm very proud he earned his promotion without any of you knowing this is my son. And at that moment, the succession was successful because. The whole workforce accepted him. I have seen uh, another family where the father took the son to management and then the son was, you know, from now on, we do it my way. And then all the middle management left, a lot of employees left, clients left. The whole thing imploded.